Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. Today's episode will be covering the prologue in Chapter 1, Dragon Mount and On an Empty Road. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Alan. I'm one of the hosts of The Wheel Reads, and um, I wanted to make this recording for you guys uh, from the future. So if you just found our podcast and are just starting, I am actually adding this on after we've recorded our 100th episode. Uh, We've been doing this for over two years now, but I wanted to give a little bit of disclaimer and explain some things to you. I know a lot of people find our podcast because they hear about us from friends or maybe they just do a Google search and find The Wheel Reads as they start their journey, The Wheel of Time, or if they're rereading the series and find this podcast. And that's great. We're glad you're here. But I wanted to say, struggle through the audio issues. When we first started this, we started with a budget of $0. Yeah, $0. So we actually recorded on our cell phones. Um, There was a lot of audio issues with that. And um, we had no idea how to edit, how to make a podcast. So a lot of it was a lot of learning over the years. Uh, and I say years because it's been years. So if you enjoy the content, stick around. The audio does get better. We all now have professional grade mics. Uh, we use editing software. Uh, things are a lot different than it was two years ago. But I just wanted to put that out there because I know a lot of people listen to our first episode and go, wow, this is crap. So enjoy and um, get ready to hear some crappy audio. So yeah, <laughs> have fun. All right, so let's go get started with uh, the prologue and in chapter one episode, our first real episode. So um, before we get started, anything else, like obviously when you pick up the book, uh, the first thing we do is judge the book by its cover. <laughs> All right, so I don't know if you have uh, the books in front of you, Ian and Chris, but uh, actually I know Chris does because I just handed him a copy of mine. But um, if you could uh, look at that front cover and tell me what you think of it, I guess Chris, go first. Now, see, the I have a different cover than the one that you gave me. It's all pretty interesting. Uh, the characters that I see do not look like they go together, if that's an honest answer. <laughs> like, it's definitely kind of a strange grouping of individuals. I, I would never pair a uh, what looks to be a samurai, a mage, and... I don't even know. Some <laughs> uh, a page. That's a good word, way of using it. It looks like a page. Now the the cover I have literally is just the interlocking uh, snake. Anyway, it's much much more interesting to look at the actual cover. It's very eclectic. Group. Hold on, hold on one second. Here. I apologize. I had to stop the podcast at this point. Um, so this is Alan interjecting in. During our first episode, we did have a few little mishaps. One, my dog decided to use a squeaker toy for a good five minutes straight while we were recording. So a lot of SEO cut out, a lot of spliced in. Um, secondly, we had a lot of feedback on the microphone. So there will be some recording that will be kind of a little bit sketchy. And we dropped Ian for a little bit. So I think we're going to pick right back up now with Ian coming back on and continue with our podcast. So I hope everybody's still enjoying. Thanks. Yeah, you're back now. Recording. That was exactly it. 
Yep. Yeah, I navigated a way to look at the cover. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I just want to be on the record and say that I said about six really deep, meaningful thoughts there. We believe it. All right. Yeah. I'll look Go, I'll go look for something it. Else. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait. Are we still on the cover? Yeah, we're still on the cover. Okay, so one thing that wasn't deep and meaningful, but I thought was hilarious, uh, as your dog was squeaking that toy, uh, I chimed in that that's like the perfect entrance music for the smaller rider in the forefront of the picture. Uh, it doesn't really go along <laughs> with the samurai rider. He's very proud and upright, but it was it was great entrance music for uh, the little guy. <laughs> so I will yeah. never have that stuck in my head as we read this. When that, when that Whenever that character comes into the scene, I'm going to have squeaking noise in the background. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it won't take long until... Uh, we get introduced to some of those characters on that cover. Um, but let, let's go ahead and get moving over to the, the prologue. Um, we'll get started there. And and, um, and the first thing I want to talk about uh, with, with the prologue is the is the symbol you see on that very first page. Now, we don't have to talk about it again because it's actually the same symbol they're going to use for the prologue in Chapter 1. But the symbol is going to change throughout the chapters. Minor spoiler there. Um um, I don't think that's going to affect anything. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But for right now, um, uh, talking about the symbol. So it's that wheel with the snake interlocking through it. Yes. And that's actually a symbol on my cover. So, Yeah, so that's the, um, that is the, the wheel of time symbol. So it's the, it's the wheel actually there with the uh, infinity symbol with the snake uh, eating its own tail. Uh, the great serpent of time, as they call it. So um, any thoughts on that? I think it's pretty interesting how that snake is actually interlocking into the wheel because it almost looks like as if the snake itself would hinder the wheel from moving. And I don't know if that's any form of foreshadowing or not, um, just an observation. Yeah, and you and you combine that with traditionally the snake. If you're looking at you know good and evil, light and dark, the snake represents the evil side. So there's some force of evil, along with you said, that might be trying to work to change time or to affect the wheel or maybe break the cycle of the wheel of time. Yeah. All right. So moving on from the symbol, let's go ahead and get into uh, the, the, this first scene. So uh, kind of to paint the picture. Um, you know, uh, there's earthquakes going on everywhere. There's dead bodies strewn about, and uh, and Luz Theron, uh, our our main character at this point, is kind of just wandering around the halls, calling for his wife, Ileana. Ileana, um, trying to uh, obviously doesn't even realize anything going around. Uh, uh, what's going around him? Uh, it's just kind of off. Something's definitely strange about this. Uh, I think it's like an epic game of hide and go seek, <laughs> a really morbid version of hide and go seek. But yeah, so so, what do you guys think? Thoughts about this uh, this first this first scene as we open the book? I thought it was pretty interesting how uh, lucid he definitely was. The the very fact that he was looking for the family that was literally strewn about his feet um, was pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at it from a, like zoom out a little bit, you know, in, in a book like this, now that I've done some series kind of similar, uh, he has a short amount of time in this prologue to just really grab your attention. And man, there's so much packed in here in just these couple of pages. And even at the end of the prologue, I'm already like, holy crap, I want more of this story. 
and then obviously we're going to jump ahead many years. So uh, just in general, I mean, I'm, I'm hooked for sure. Yeah. So do you guys, since you've all read the first chapter now, um, have any predictions as far as uh, the difference in time uh, from when the prologue is and when the first chapter starts, like how much time is in between those, those two events? Uh, any predictions you guys might have? Wait, so this, the Dragon Mount, it happened in, in which age? So yeah, it doesn't actually say like when, uh, what age it is um, in the prologue at all. But if you go to the first chapter of the book, it does uh, mention the, uh, that this was called the Third Age by some, talking about where the, where the first chapter is. Third Age, so, yeah. So it'd be the, hopefully yeah. the first age, but that's kind of what I thought, but maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just got the impression that, you know, maybe it was uh, – when I was going to the first chapter, I'm, I'm seeing it as like a continuous loop of ages. Like there's, there's not an end, there's not a beginning, you just keep repeating sort of thing. Right. Uh, so at least one full turn of a circle, which – yeah, I'm guessing um, how how long it's gonna that it's been, but yeah, uh, the one thing I will tell you is that you will eventually figure out, or they, it will tell you um, how how long the distance is eventually. So you will get to that. Um, but just one other thing I wanted to point out, you know, before we get too far into this uh, next scene, you know, at, at one point, Luz Theron's looking at the bubbled marble and the glass, um, like a, a, a mirror on the wall. And he sees himself and starts laughing, and he looks at this patch he has on his uh, on his shirt or, or cloak, and it's a circle uh, with black and white with a sinuous line running through it, um, and half black, half white, and just wanted to see if you guys uh, could pick out what that symbol might be. Like a yin-yang, yin-yang? Yeah, exactly. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. I that's how I pictured it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the symbol. Without the dot, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Right. Sure. Sure. So, I just think it's pretty interesting how there was that the dark force that brought him back to his reality. Sure. And then, like that in and of itself, kind of intrigued me. I'm I'm kind of going backwards when we were going forwards, but just thinking about the the series of events, there's in the beginning I thought, okay, this is a madman. He must be the villain. Then, for the supposed villain to come up and then bring this man back to his senses just to torture him i mean that right there is pretty awesome for lack of better words like i can't think of any better way than to torture your worst enemy than to make him remember how horrible the person he was in a moment yeah and did you uh realize like how the guy appeared um if you remember the line it says the air shimmered and the air rippled and and a man uh, clad in black or uh just appeared um uh, just wanted to point that out because it is important. <laughs> well, it, like in my mind, because it's the wheel of time, my mind was like, is this time travel or okay. is this magic? Like, and I'm not quite sure if there's like a science fiction tie into this or if it's all like old school fantasy magic and so on and so forth. So I just, I'm really interested to seeing how this is going to play out. Sure. Yeah. And, and so far our, quote unquote bad guy. I mean there's there's a couple of options. He maybe he exists outside of time and he can travel to any point of it at any time. Or maybe he just has a perfect memory and has been living, you know, many circles around the wheel. You know, he's just been around for so long and remembers it all. But uh yeah, definitely 
I mean, there's many instances in there where he's talking about harassing our uh, our hero there to start out and give him a hard time for not remembering, trying to get him to to come back and realize what he's done and everything. But the bad guy, you know, he has a full understanding, full knowledge of everything that's happened from the beginning of the relationship to where they're at now. So, and like the the very end of the prologue, like I'm like, what is the purpose behind the creation of this island and river, and like, why does this man get to create? this what's 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 up with that like, that was just like really weird i'm like out of nowhere all of a sudden this man's like drawing power and then he creates, creates giant, a giant. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all right well i guess we're going there. yeah so before we get to the creation of dragon mount which is uh, the mountain that lose theron creates and also the name of the prologue that we're talking about right now um want to go backtrack a little bit so did y'all catch the name um that uh, the betrayer gave uh the dark one um that that name that he 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 named out did y'all catch that was it i can't pronounce it i'm gonna be shy can so this is where we're going to jump in for a little more trivia uh, for you guys. So uh, shaitan is actually a real word um, in today. It's uh, actually Arabic. And it's actually the Arabic word for devil. It's spelled differently, but pronounced the same way. Huh. Yeah, so just, just kind of a little fact that, that uh, I thought to add in that how Robert Jordan came up with uh, the name for the Dark One. Just wanted to share that with you guys. That is really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're definitely painting the picture of good versus evil, light in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I think it's pretty interesting how you have this clearly light character who's tapped into the dark side. It's almost like a parallel to, like, uh, the, using the Force or whatever, and <laughs> kind of a Star Wars cinematic type deal. Yeah. And maybe, um, maybe we find out he was some good person that decided to tap into evil maybe with good intentions and obviously they they were looking at the result of his family killed and everybody around them. So who knows what got him to that point, but hopefully we find out. So they do kind of talk about this a little bit. So I'll kind of guide you through what your thought process is. So um, at one point, the betrayer, as they call him in this chapter, uh, the betrayer of hope, um, he's talking to Luz and he says, remember the counterstroke, remember the dark one's taint. Um, and he keeps on saying it over again. So um, I, I don't know if you guys caught that uh, or, or try to think about what that means. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have the book in front of me right now, but um, I remember there um, another thing that, that the portrayer, I think, was trying to say to lose or something was something around, um, uh, you know, uh, it's because you tried to, to mend what the creator, uh, which you broke, what the creator had made. Yeah. Yes, that was the quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, you tried to mend what the creator had made, and 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 that's the price for opposing Shaitan. I think that I think that's actually a quote. I mean, any, anything else you guys got on the prologue? I mean, you guys can talk about whatever you want. Just uh, what 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 do you guys got? Well, I just like how he uses different variations of, of names to taunt him, the Kinslayer, and like that that there in and of itself is enough to really drive him crazy. And he references the great Lord of Dark uh, can make her live again. So I'm like, what is this force that has the ability to bring back the dead? So like all of these 
these thoughts really entering my mind. It's like, what, what ultimate power or what, what way is he pulling in this ability to do these things? And it, so many questions have been raised <laughs> for me, at least. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Anakin Skywalker and Darth Sidious and that scene where uh, if you join the dark side, I can save Padme. Just just come over to the dark side, you know? Exactly. That's kind of what I've been thinking the whole time. <laughs> so I guess you got the little Anakin vibe going on. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, the, the constant um, – it's almost like a – for faith-based, like a Christian, a parallel. It's like, you know, I, I continuously sin. Please forgive me. Like he keeps asking for forgiveness, but then he still reaches out for this dark power to like try to change things. It's like, all right, what, where, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> do you really want to, you know, be in the light or you, what's the purpose? <laughs> yeah, that that's just interesting. Uh, a point about you know the dark power versus the light and and what does it all mean and and and, and you know even even at one point the betrayer you know um uh, kind of uh, pleads to to lose and says you know this could be all over if you if you just come join me uh once again star wars reference like going back to uh, empire strikes back and and luke and darth vader and and you know i'm your father but uh you know if you just if you serve me or if you join me we can rule the galaxy together (laughs) it's kind of that moment where come serve the dark one serve me i mean um anything from you ian he might have here okay (laughs) i don't know i got i got nothing more at this part i mean i still got like a million things going through my mind and oh yeah bring it up (laughs) what what do you know i mean what was there, there are questions we can't really answer here and not knowing how how much they reach back and try and answer these in the series, I don't know if we'll ever have them answered. But like, well, I mean, the series is four million words long, so yeah. You know, it 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 seems like uh, you know this this guy. You think he would have some sort of wisdom, you know, uh, beyond just I'm I'm selfish. I want to save my family. There's got to be more to it just than that. Um. So what, what was he actually trying to achieve at the end there? Uh, sure. That's a good question. There's, there's, there's got to be something more that we're not seeing and the more internal struggle from that guy that, that we don't know about. Yeah. I, don't know. I just feel like if I'm the hero of the story and it's like, okay, I make a decision that saves my close family. I mean, yeah, I'd want to do that. But if it's at the risk of all of existence and shutting down time, uh, if I am the good guy, I don't make that choice, right? sure. Um, so, but he heads in that direction. So there's there's more to it. Yeah. And yes, this might be a little spoilery, but uh, it, it might take books to find some of these answers. But uh, the, you will uh, eventually uh, get those answers. So I'll find out in two years. Yes. Well, in the, at the end of the prologue, we have those two quotes from the uh, the two different books, The Breaking of the World and The Cycle of the Dragon, which I think they're just two excellent excerpts that really get you thinking, and it kind of sets everything up, I guess, for all 15 books. <laughs> sure. So, like, you know, you'll get these little little quotes from time and time throughout the series. Um, whether they're like kind of like prophecies or histories, um, these particular ones are written in the fourth age. And if 
you uh, get to the next chapter. We're going to talk about it tonight. Um, but um, um, it talks about the third age, and these are written in the fourth age. So these are kind of, uh, at least my point of view, and I believe this is correct, uh, that they're written like as a history after all these events, uh, looking back. Um, and you'll get more of these as 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 time goes on. But it's it's a really awesome. Uh, quotes. I, I love these these little aspects of them. Or these little the little quotes that they have at the end of uh, the prologue. And uh, as it says, I like to quote: "The moon was as uh, as blood, and the sun was as ash. The sea boiled, and the living envied the dead. All was shattered, and all but memory lost. And one memory above all others of him who brought the shadow and the breaking of the world, and him they named Dragon. And that's the guy that we're talking about. It's like the hero but <laughs> he wasn't really painted that way at all yeah yeah you can definitely tell that like people did not really like uh, what happened especially with the dragon and 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 the breaking of the world uh and, and they talk about it earlier in the in the prologue as well when when the betrayer talks to lose and says even right now your hundred companions are, are tearing apart the world um so um obviously there's some things that happened um, yeah. Is it going to be taboo if I bring up uh, an Avengers reference? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. No. Um, well, you know, Doctor Strange, when he made that the move. Too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> soon, right? And then what happens after that? Boom, snap the fingers. Half of everybody's gone. <laughs> and then the people that live during that time frame, obviously, they're thinking the same thing. Like, Man, the, the Avengers hosed us, or got if they actually knew that at that point someone willingly gave up the stone, they wouldn't think him a hero. They're gonna look at him and be like, you know, you're responsible for this. Yeah. But obviously, that we find out at the very end that Doctor Strange he knew something that we didn't know, and it was that one in whatever million ridiculous odds he kept quoting. I can't remember, uh, but it, but it came to in the end. So maybe there's there's like i said there's something else we're not seeing well yeah the end of that second quote is like let the arm of the lord dawn shelter us from the dark and the great sword of justice defend us let the dragon ride again on the winds of time so it's like you got one person who's just like cursing the dragon and the other who is like waiting for the return so it's like is there really a good and evil in this book or is there like so much convolution that (laughs) <laughs> we're really not going to be able to track it <laughs> with 15 books yeah. we might lose ourselves Yeah, he, he damned us but at the same time he's the only one who's going to be able to pull us out of this just like Martin Yeah, just to let you guys know here uh, um, full disclaimer on this podcast we are not going to do spoilers for the Wheel of Time series but everything else is fair game like we're going to spoil the crap out of Game of Thrones um, obviously, just Avengers, Star Wars, anything, any other fantasy series that we've all read through, or even one of us has read through, it's it's fair game. So if you're one of those people that that lives under a rock and um, and hasn't seen the Avengers or ever watched Star Wars or any of these things, um, and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe you should just go ahead and stop listening because um, um, we're gonna do it. Um, I might put it in the descriptions. Uh, Started episodes if we're gonna spoil stuff and i probably won't so <laughs> so yeah um uh, just fair warning um we, we we're, uh, spoilers abound on anything non wheel of time um yeah so so uh, back to, to so, so what, what were we talking about there oh it's just essentially like how you can't there's so much intermingling of the good and the evil it's like is there really 
one path? <laughs> like, is there a good and an evil, or are we just looking at humanity, essentially? <laughs> sure. So just to talk a little bit, I just want to interject here about some fantasy theory, um, uh, literary theory uh, around um, uh, classic fantasy versus modern fantasy versus postmodern fantasy. So, you know, in your classic um, fantasy, you have those King Arthur or Achilles, like demigods are, you know, highly thought of uh, heroes that are uh, larger than life and obvious, obviously the good guy. Um um, a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, obviously good, obviously everything's great about them. Um, um, you know, even like something like Superman would be like that kind of classic fantasy, even though it's written in the 1900s. Then you have what's called modern fantasy, which would be like Tolkienist, uh, you know, the father of modern fantasy, where um, Tolkien, um, with Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggin is your main hero, but he's the meek, not strong um, uh, character as far as. Uh, uh, big and powerful. Um, he's a reluctant hero. Uh, he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't really want to go on this adventure, but he feels like, you know, he's told he's had to, he has to, he's forced on this path. And that's kind of that modern fantasy. And then postmodern fantasy, which you see a lot of today is, uh, the anti-hero. Um, you know, the guy that's, that's evil, but not as evil as the worst guy, you know, uh, that, that has its flaws in everything. Um, and, and just all in all is, uh, it's it's very humanizing, um, but but flawed character. Severus Snape. Yeah, Severus Snape. Uh, yeah, no, Harry Potter reference. So, uh, and, and good example of of the of the villainous hero. But um, uh, you know, Robert Jordan wrote these books all the time uh, in the 1990s is when it started um, through the 2000s. So, um, it, it's kind of that mixture of that modern fantasy and postmodern, um, not to the point of anti-hero but our characters are definitely flawed um they're not necessarily meek they're uh, somewhat reluctant um in some ways but um yeah, some of them are some of them aren't it just uh um uh, we'll kind of get into that later uh, but you definitely see that modern fantasy and postmodern fantasy and by the way i might be completely wrong about all these theories um, i'm not a, a english major and uh, just stuff i've heard um and and guys can correct me anybody listening can send me an email hate mail uh, i don't really care um but uh, I, I stand by this is this is it what this is what works in my brain so it's my canon head canon um but yeah so you look at like you know a Frodo baggins some like that and obviously not the same as our characters where Frodo baggins is a good guy like uh, he's not an evil guy at all uh, i don't think anybody can say that that Frodo. Uh, even for a bit is evil he's all around wholesome and good where our characters are are definitely definitely flawed <laughs> like yeah and and look at the big big picture i mean you go back to that um what was that that last quote from the michael the dragon where it opened up and he said oh let me find it so i don't jack it up and it came to pass in those days and it had as it had come before and would come again so it's kind of like where I was talking about when we were talking about the title Wheel of Time, right? Sure. Uh, so all of this just keeps happening. It keeps repeating it, and it is a cycle over and over again. And it's not like the exact same story repeats itself. So this dragon guy uh, or any of the heroes in our story in in one series and uh, one time around the circle, only one small thing can change. Maybe their dad leaves them at a younger age or stays with them longer, and then the type of character they are could be totally different. And we're just getting, I know we're talking about how long this series is, but we're just getting 
a glimpse at at one role through this time. Sure. You know? yeah, even the the betrayer talks about that, like uh, when 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 he mentions to to lose, like. Like Lou says to him, um, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years. And he says, you fool, uh, 10 years, been doing this for thousands of years since the beginning of time or, or, or forever. Um, no, I was saying maybe he's shimmering in between times and like yeah. he's manipulating the line to try to get it to follow the track that he wants it to. It's like, Or maybe it's not, again, it's a wheel, not a line. So, oh man, so many questions, no answers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, so my uh, my squirrel brain it, it's jumping around. So I'm listening to you guys and your comments. Uh, are, have any of y'all watched uh, that series on? Uh, it's on Netflix now. It's from uh, Sci-Fi, uh, The Magicians. Oh, I love it. All right, so there's there's the time loop, and then they find ways with the Tesla flexion machine to like tap into the other time loops and pull each other in and everything. And so I'm even thinking about that and something <laughs> like this. You know, our our bad guy here. Is he, like you said, shimmering in and out? Is he taking advantage of being able to travel to the different uh, ages, you know, as they repeat themselves and, and trying to find ways to take advantage for his side and for his purpose? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and, and Luz Theron actually did something similar when you talk about the shimmering air where, uh, if you notice, where he traveled. Um, it says that in the towards the end and shows up in a completely empty field somewhere else. So it uh, might be something similar uh, to something to – the guys to think about teleportation yeah <laughs> right i guess yeah is there anything else you guys you guys want to add for chapter one or for the prologue before we move on to chapter one if we keep dwelling here i'll keep having random stuff pop in my brain but that's i think we've hit it a lot i mean chapter one is a little longer than the prologue but the one thing about the prologue is it, it's just it it, it it there's just so much packed into that prologue and after after you read the whole series, when you go back and and read this this piece, you'll realize how how genius Robert Jordan actually was, uh, and how how awesome um, the writing is for this prologue. Uh, so, so back to my first comments about the prologue. I guess that's my point. It's not long, but it is dense, like you said. Every line I can already tell from reading stories like this. Every line there's there's a potential not just chapter, but book that could explain it or that you hope does, because even we came up with all these questions and I'm, I'm already like, I hope this author somewhere comes back to this <laughs> and fills me in. I mean, obviously Robert Jordan does get, get uh, detailed uh, in his books being that how, how long they are. And, and there is, is a lot of, of, of things that are that come out of these lines and come back later. And that's, and that's why there's kind of like a joke in the wheel of time community that, uh, the, what's the first thing you do after you get done reading this, this massive book is it's, it's you, it's you reread wheel of time. Um, just start right back in the beginning, uh, just to see it. Cause it's, it's actually a completely different read through your second time. I'll say that from experience. Um, you, you know, it, it, it is a very long series. Like we talked about before, and it, it takes a long time to read it. Even if you, Listen to the audio books. I think each audio book's you know somewhere around like twenty nine hours long, so uh, it, it would take a while. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll just get through that. So, yeah, um, so just, just to kind of move things along, um, I think we're just going to go ahead and go to chapter one. And bef- before we get started um, on an empty road, um, I just want to uh, uh, take a second to, to look at one of my favorite things about these books is maps. I love looking at maps. So let's, let's, let's talk about the maps for a second. All right. I'll be honest with you. Um, in my version of the book, because it's an e-book, I don't get the advantage of the maps, so I'm going to have to take oh, a second look about uh, maybe purchasing the book. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and, and well, while I have purchased the book, we might have to do an asterisk on our next cast and come back to the maps. I don't know if that'll speak. Oh, no, no, no. But... So, yeah, let's just uh, go ahead, maybe come back next time um, uh, to the maps. But let, let's just move ahead to Chapter 1 uh, on an empty road. And... Um, and I want to start out with like maybe one of y'all wants to read that first chapter because um, that's you know one of the most iconic parts of Wheel of Time um, is this chapter. It reappears in each book, um, slightly different. But uh, if one of you all wants to take that, uh, that'd be great. It says the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth. And even myth is long forgotten when the age that gives its birth comes again. In one age, called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time, but it was a beginning. Well, let's let's start there. Um, I I, I kind of want to get you guys' reactions to how you feel about this this first chapter because um, it's been ten years for me. So I mean, I remember I was emotional about it. Or uh, there was some emotions that were pulled from from reading that because uh, it was powerful. But uh, uh, I'd love to hear you, you guys' first reactions to that since it's fresh. I love how the. A in the last sentence is italicized. It was a beginning. Yeah. <laughs> that you would never think a single letter, which essentially is a word, would bring that much thought to mind. But, you know, we assume from the beginning that we're in this third age. But then it's like, or maybe you're not in the third age. The third age hasn't happened yet, but then it's already happened it's a beginning so it's like are we going to be in this book where things are going to keep resetting we're going to keep revisiting the same story but it's going to change based on a series of events that occurs they're going to be like you said earlier with the prologue um is there going to be a trigger that changes the story and we literally relive this quote-unquote age that just never quite has an end i mean this whole concept of will of time is really grasp my mind and then this very first paragraph 
kind of really, for lack of better words, messes with you. <laughs> so I don't know if this is a PG uh, podcast yet or not. This podcast is whatever you want it to be. Um, I, I do have it listed uh, for adults. Um, it's not really a, a PG book at all. Um, in fact, uh, the, the book gets into a whole lot of um, kind of uh, adult topics. Uh, the first book is more... Uh, I guess kid-friendly, but uh, once you get past that, I mean, there's things like rape and massacres and torture, and um, it's not quite as graphic as Game of Thrones, but um, it's definitely, uh, if not implied, uh, uh, explicitly said at some point in the in the text uh, uh, as we as we read along in different books. So, um, uh, speak your mind, say whatever you want to say. It's all good. Uh, we can we can we can be free to use language if uh, if that's needed. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be nice, but it won't be long until I let him slip. <laughs> yeah, and I might be right there with you on that whole having to hold myself back from reading. <laughs> yeah, and I get I get cursed out by ten year olds in online gaming. So let's be honest, who are, who are we protecting anymore? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, so this book, the first chapter, really fucked with my mind, for lack of better words. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 So uh, when I when I first picked it up, I actually, uh, besides like my ADD, I, I was just really interested. So reread that first paragraph multiple times. And I think uh, what I was, I guess, preparing myself for was telling myself, okay, it's not just going to be about the immediate detail of what our characters are going through right then and there. Because ultimately, in the grand scheme of time, even, even this character ran what he does in his life is, I mean, it's in, insignificant. Because time goes infinitely, and this age will come and go again, and his story will turn to legend, then it passes and disappears. So we got to be, we got to be looking for these these clues, these Easter eggs, or whatever you want to call them, uh, that that point to the bigger picture and bigger truth. So there's going to be exciting scenes, uh, maybe some battle scenes, maybe some mass murder or whatnot. But there's going to be some moral or myth or or greater importance behind that that that's going to be revealed, or hopefully is revealed at some point. You know. Right. So pretty, pretty. You know, the, hearing the the history of the fact that this guy is friends with uh, G. G. R. Martin, I'm like, um, I don't even want to read this book. <laughs> kidding, kidding, holy kidding! But like, <laughs> nothing about me wants to assume anything already at this point. Just between that first paragraph and now knowing the connection, the literary connections, and the people that are in this group in the books that I've read in this type of genre, I'm like, I need to just go ahead and let all assumptions go. <laughs> so you're telling me don't fall in love with Rand because by chapter three... <laughs> That's when my mind is going to be dead. <laughs> He's going to be, become so insignificant. I've already like, started like... Rand yeah, so that that's our first uh, real theory is that uh that that Rand dies by chapter three. So you hear it first; it's canon. Uh, Rand's gonna be dead uh, the next episode. We say so. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it's uh, tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm not putting money on it. But, you know, we'll go with that. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started into this book and get to our first scene. So um, I'll kind of map it out for you. So it's uh, there's. Two riders, they're walking down this road. It's it's cold, um, and they're kind of uh, just by themselves walking down, having a, uh, a 
and just want to see what you guys guys think about this opening scene of, of chapter one. I was gonna say I love the way how like the very second cha- uh, second paragraph kind of sets it up: two men walking with a cart and a horse down um, the track. You know, it kind of makes you like, all right, so this is pretty awesome. You got two guys going along, and then as you start really just to get into it by the second page you learn like, one of these guys isn't really a man and the other guy is so it's like alright where are we going to go with this story like where are inconsistencies going to be like are we supposed to really have some real character development in our own mind what assumptions are we going to draw sometimes I think a little too deep into things and other times I probably screw myself <laughs> so you just mean like like Rand's the kid like with Rand's dad and, and saying Rand's the kid yeah, I mean, like the very first, like it says two men, and then you go to the third paragraph, and then he's kind of a wimp. So it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. his, his clothes were heavier, and he's starting to complain, and he's being really sure. If he's a man, he's not much of a man. <laughs> <Sure>. Gotcha. <laughs> so I, I think this is a great way to start off. Uh, I don't want to assume that Rand's going to be here past chapter three, but let's say he is, and he's going to be a character we follow for a while. Um, you know, the, someone writing this, you want to get, you want to give room for growth. So we're seeing in this that he has, he has the potential of, of being this great man. Like he kind of stands a little bit taller than his dad, but you know, obviously he's not quite ready to fill his dad's shoes. When he feels a little bit scared on the road, he feels ashamed because what's the first thing he does? Like he quickly looks over to, to see his dad and, and, and feels reassured that he's there. So, yeah, we see that he's scared. He's a little bit of a wimp, but we see that we already see there's potential for growth, like he could become something. So it's, it's a good way to just yeah, I agree with that. He is very precautious. Like he's one that witnessed or noticed the other guy. And now that, uh, that could be to tie into he was meant to feel that force. He was meant to see that person. Um, but yeah. you know, maybe he one that has a heightened awareness and what is this awareness or that makes him special you know he's clearly um being constantly vigilant because he had his arrow notched like we learned the purpose behind that it's essentially it's kind of fortunate maybe he's that character that is aware throughout the book maybe he will survive past chapter three <laughs> If that's the case, then in chapter three, we, we probably find out that uh, his dad is not his dad because he gets into how he doesn't really take after his dad at all, except for his broad shoulders. But if I remember correctly, the mailman had broad shoulders, too. <laughs> so maybe that's where these powers are going to come from. Sure. He's got some more theories here that uh, Tam's not Ren's dad. Um, so that's a good one. Um, we'll put that down on the prediction list. And um, and and. Also, I just want to kind of move along. Um, so you have all these 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 wolves and everything, and they're obviously um, uh, very very jumpy and scared on this road. And and then suddenly they they see something. Or Rand sees something uh, a little bit creepy. You on a horse. <laughs> this is not more than twenty spans back down the road. A cloaked figure on horseback followed them. Horse and rider alike, black, dull, and ungleaming. It's like ominous, but there's nothing special about the <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know he notices the the one oddity, obviously that well the wind. They make it a point talking about the wind howling, blowing them around. 
you don't notice anything happening to the rider in the rider's cloak. So that that's a physical thing that he notices. But then other than that, he just talks about the feeling he gets. So there's... Uh, yes, a queasiness settled in his stomach. There was only shadow to see in the hood, but he felt hatred as sharp as if he could see a snarling face, hatred for everything that lived, hatred for him most of all, for him above all things, which, like, why he feel that sense of hatred was, like, the first question I had, like, what makes this boy, because in my mind, he went from man to boy in this moment, what makes him feel so special that he has all this hatred being thrown towards him? And to your he does realize that the wind wasn't whipping at him, but it was after the fact. So it's like in that moment, he had the feelings too, but then he seems to be a really reflective individual. So that might be helpful in the future. Who knows? Yeah. And, and does he, does he have these feelings uh, that's coming off this rider? Is it because the rider projects it? He's like that evil. Or is it that Rand is that perceptive and that's something in his character that's going to grow, you know, his, his ability to either empathize or sense the danger like that. So is it the strength of the bad guy or is it Despite the senses. skills of our good guy? <laughs> yeah, right. We, we, don't, we don't know quite yet. That's true. So kind of moving forward. So he uh, then turns around and, um, and, and the, the writer's gone and tells his dad that, that, yeah, I saw something back there and, and, and his dad's reaction, it's like, uh, well, let, let's go, you know, believes him, says, but let's go check it out. And I thought this was kind of weird that, that Rand was just like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Don't, don't check it out. Which, which was uh, maybe, you know, he didn't want to seem like he was just crazy or something uh, that, you know, he's seen things or trying to look up, the, I, you know, it just, it seemed a little, a little weird that he would just write it off, you know? Um, but, uh, but uh, what, what do you guys think about that? I think this is a great exchange here. Like, outside of the story, just from a, a, a parenting standpoint, which I am a parent. I didn't mention that before. Um, but, you know, the son says something that maybe sounds ridiculous. Uh, and, and the dad being experienced and having walked this trail a million times before, the fact that he didn't notice it, you know, the dad could have just said, no, son, you're full of crap. But his dad didn't doubt him. He was like, hey, if, if you thought he saw it, let's go verify this or whatever. And then the flip side from the son's perspective, uh, you know, he already kind of deduced in his mind, all right, this probably sounds a little crazy. I'm starting to think about what I saw and felt, and there's no way that could be real. Uh, I don't want to waste my dad's time, and I don't want to sound ridiculous and maybe lose my dad's respect. So he kind of nicks it and says, hey, let's go on, uh, which I just think, like I said, from the parenting standpoint and that relationship, I think they have a very strong bond, very healthy relationship, and I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like a sense of validation from his father that he would take the time to go back and look. And his father didn't seem overly critical, which is great. And then he rationalized yeah. the fact that like they needed to get where they were going before things got worse. So to spend time, because it's clearly his dad would have spent as much time needed to probably prove his point, or at least to help make him feel better. It would have been a waste of valuable time. Yeah. I thought that was great. So, so far, like what we get from his dad is very little, some description from him in a few words, but already I have all these warm fuzzies about him. He's a pretty cool dad. He's going to die next. <laughs> so both of you guys have, have, have watched Game of Thrones now, right? Yes. So you know who they've cast as Tam for, for the show? Like what actor? 
Don't tell me. Bruce Bolton. No. <laughs> yep, it's uh, it's Bruce Bolton, the, <laughs> the, the 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 famous uh, red wedding uh, guy who killed Rob Stark. So, yeah. <laughs> Never will I be able. To. Uh, yeah, but I, now I now I need to prepare myself to make that transition. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time Hank's film I see now, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm gonna replay his his lines in Forrest Gump voice. You know, it's always everything's gonna be tainted by Forrest Gump now. Sure. So I don't know if I'll ever get rid of. It. So another thing that that a lot of people notice um, when reading these books is uh, is all the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien nods. You know, whether it's the the Mountains of Mist or the the Dark Rider, which is like a ring ring wraith um, from. Uh, from the uh, Lord of the Rings. Just didn't know if you guys uh, p- picked up on all that. And the fireworks. And the fireworks. fireworks <laughs> yeah. The pipe and the brew at the tavern. So in an interview with Robert Jordan, he, he even said that uh, he wanted to start the book out a lot like Lord of the Rings and then take an extreme right turn. So there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. Well, in this, they're they're already starting in darker times. So there is a little bit of difference sure. too. I mean, the Shire was popping and popping peaceful place and <laughs> you know they won a lot of riffraff but there won a lot of any of excitement that went on there this this place in our story right now they're in they're in the middle well the end they don't know how long it's gonna last of like one of the worst winters they've ever had yeah so similar to like the shire it's uh emmons field is is in tours is, is just really remote and doesn't get many visitors um you know that their economy is, is mostly based on wool and tobacco is what they call it, um, and there's, uh, the, you know, you consume is tobacco, but there's a there's a joke uh, within the, the wheel of time community that tobacco's actually weed. Uh, you know, the dankest uh, tubers tobacco out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing to point out is, uh, you know, that they probably have a barter economy. Um, there's probably not enough coin to go around to the population. It's uh, probably based on on trading goods between each other, like Tam bringing apple cider. And brandy, obviously for the festival, but also uh, probably trades that as well. And of course, you got your kiss, your nod to your kissing cousins and <laughs> <laughs> the Coplins and the Congers, yeah. <laughs> and good old Sin Bowie, uh, he's the Thatcher. He's he's the guy that comes out and uh, kind of the old guy that, that that's that's loud and complaining about Nineveh, the the village the village wisdom. Well, I'm definitely interested in finding out. Her role, I think um, maybe there's going to be a bigger connection between her and our our main character. Um, you know, she's supposed to be able to foresee the coming of the spring and get harvest, and so far she's been wrong. So I can get the frustration. What do you do with it? Like, my, my question, because this guy comes out and his first complaint is we got to do something about her. Like, what are you supposed to do about her? How do you replace her? Like, what's the process there? Like, how dark do we get? How are... <laughs> it's like how it's yeah funny how it's kind of a matriarchal system. yeah i might have skipped over it but did she was she saying that springs on its way and it's wrong or is she just not giving an answer so, yeah so sim Bowie had said that you know um that she had said last fall an interview had said last fall that uh that it was gonna be a mild winter and a good uh, you know early harvest or a good spring or for planting and uh, now whenever Sin tries to talk to her, she just turns around and stomps off all, all, all pissed off. Trying to prove that part of it. Then they were guessing, like, maybe that means it's it's not going to end. Or that's what Tam says. He's being a little 
Sure. I don't know. Snarky in his sarcasm there. Sure. Yeah, he said it's not our – Tam always said, you know, it's not our place wit, which is the guy who was complaining. He said the wisdom is women's business. And it's like, in my mind, he – it was slightly degrading of a statement, but if the women or this woman is supposed to foresee essentially their ability to survive, then it should be – definitely viewed as more important he's kind of i don't know if he's pushing off for the sake of having to stay out of the argument or because he doesn't put much into the wisdom yeah so you have a a binary gender system of government in this village where uh you have the women's circle and the village council um which is made of men and and they always kind of pick on each other a little bit like that's none of uh women's circles business or Oh, that's the village council business. Yeah. When, and you got some that pick at it, and then you got some like Tam that are just like, you know, it is what it is. That's their lane. Let them figure it out. I got to do my work. Sure. And they do theirs. Right. And he just doesn't get into it as much as others. Yeah. So n- next we we meet Matt. Um, you know, Rand gets into town, and um, and Matt pokes up his head and starts talking about his badger. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. So I feel like you can replace um, Rand with Alan or a younger version of Alan and Matt with a younger version of Ian. Cause I feel like this was us in our neighborhood uh, where you were trying to do what your dad had planned for you. And, and I would just whisper something ridiculous to you like, Hey, we should go do X, Y, Z. And yeah, then we were off to get in trouble. So I definitely <laughs> relate to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've always pictured you as a Matt, um, you know, it, it, he's one of those, those characters uh, in, in this book that, that, most people end up loving him uh, in the end, but they definitely uh, in the beginning uh, or some points of the book, it's uh, it's a, it's a love hate. Uh, you, you hate him. You love him. You hate him. I think it's interesting that Matt also saw the character, the writer, the writer, the like yeah. what, what makes Matt so important and why, like these two characters are clearly connected, even though they live distances away from each other, they're clearly friends. But what what makes Matt important now? What is the tie there, or is it just the youth that can see this writer, or like is it the young males that can see this writer, or you know what what quality makes them important enough to see and feel the writer? That's where the yeah the big strong man. I, I was I was leaning some towards the writer uh, kind of picks and chooses who he reveals himself to. Because, it, you know, the moment Rand's dad turned around, poof, he was gone. So, I, I, you know, I kind of felt more like the writer was down with revealing himself to Rand, but nobody else at the time. I would say I was wondering if Rand hadn't stumbled and continued to pay attention to the writer and brought attention to him when his father had been able to see him then. But kind of to what you're saying. Maybe, yeah. maybe he only reveals himself to certain people. Maybe these characters are going crazy. Maybe they're touched or something. Maybe they're tainted. Who knows? Like I, I, that word keeps going back to my mind and then this writer comes out of nowhere. So it's like, all right, let's figure this out now. to two people that nobody's going to believe right now. So there's that. And they start theorizing like who this writer might be. You know, they said, you know, it might be the dark one or, 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 one of the Forsaken, and I know we heard the Dark One from the prologue already. The Forsaken's new, and they they actually named two of the Forsaken: Ishmael and uh, Agenor. Um, 
and you know start thinking oh, it might be the dragon you know and they, they even go that far um, in their theories about what this what who this is yeah, and then they start talking about like maybe we should tell someone about the Dark Rider, and I, I just, I just think Rand's reaction is, is just classic, where like, <laughs> like they might, re- they might believe me, but if you're involved, like, oh hell no, like no one's gonna believe us if if if, if Matt's involved at all. <laughs> I just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> In fact, you being you you co-signing on it is gonna make it less. Yeah. Fun. So it would been better off if it was anybody. Yeah. Um, and then they mentioned a Glee man, which I wanted to talk about what your thoughts are on that. Like, what's a Glee man? Um, I mean. Little, little guitar guy. Yeah. Wait, what do they say? Carrying a harp, singing song, traveling musician. And, and of course, in, I would assume in stories similar to this, musicians are also storytellers. They don't just get up there and sing about random stuff. Sure. You know, they're, they're singing about important things, and, and we can find a, uh, find out a lot about things that are happening in other parts of the world through their traveling and their yeah. story through something. I was, just, I was wondering whether or not this is like one of those t- set in a time where people aren't necessarily readers, and maybe that's going to be important feature is the fact that maybe they do hand their stories down through song and, and dance and the lyrics and songs, so everything is going to be distorted based on other people's opinions, so... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, at the very least, because of this guy traveling so much, maybe his songs are generic. But there's opportunity for the curious to have conversation with him about things that happen outside of their their realm of what they know. So th- this guy's going to give us some information. I'm certain. Sure, sure. I mean, that's you. Could, it's, it's probably a good guess. <laughs> Did you just wink? I felt a wink. <laughs> there might have been a slight wink. Uh, yeah. He said, "I think it's it's important that they do put an emphasis on the Glee Man, and that we're definitely going to find out more, even though many people think he's a waste of time and money. Which clearly that's important to them since they're running low on their stores and they don't have much to give. So the fact that they're going to entertain." Even the ceremony that's gone through, which I think is also an important piece, or could be an important piece that we kind of breeze over as they have this kind of ceremony of the, the single. So that's the, the focus of the next day is is essentially, I don't know, like a coming to manhood. So here we have this boy explained as a man, but he just has like the body of a man mentally. He's not trying to be in a relationship with a woman. He's got, you know, a girl that he kind of is interested in. So there's kind of these boyish things that come back into play. So the author is really playing with our minds like, yeah, he's able-bodied. He's definitely vigilant. He has specific thoughts in mind, but he's still a giddy boy at heart. <laughs> so a couple more things. Like you get the mention of Egwene. Um, you know, or, or Tam gives Rand a hard time, or you know, kind of says he's you know, excited about seeing her. Um, obviously, that's going to be a character coming up. Get a little hint to that. Um, you know, um, I, I right now we're just world building, so you know, a lot of a lot of the story, the first couple of chapters, is 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 a lot of just meeting characters and 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 learning about the the, the culture and the and 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 just a lot of descriptions. Uh, you know, they describe the people a whole lot, uh, just in fine detail. Well, you definitely see what a gleam man looks like in your mind. He looks kind of like a clown. <laughs> yeah, so, like, even Rand asks if uh, if he had a dark cloak, and 
the you get the description that you know it's cloaks kind of all all these patches of different colors you know kind of like a cloud or something um going back after reading the prologue in the first chapter and then looking at the cover it's like maybe the the girl on the horse is the wisdom maybe the boy in the background is our main character and now we've got this samurai figure who doesn't really have samurai sword kind of has samurai (laughs) knight swords um it's kind of confusing but then also the three horses are different colors um which might you know kind of allude to some things like the samurai-ish type figure has a black horse um and then you've got the female character with a white horse which kind of is like a clerical symbol like normally if you're a healer in this genre books a healer would have white or they'd be seen as blessed and then your warriors kind of your darker warriors would be in that black and the black stallion and then kind of your average everyday guy (laughs) guy lagging lagging behind in the back room (laughs) (laughs) sure all right, good. Go ahead and wrap up for this uh, episode. Um, thanks everybody for listening. I know some parts were a little struggle on the struggle bus um, uh, with the uh, background problems and some of the some of the recording problems that we had, uh, some of those technical difficulties. Uh, we're working on hammering those out, and hopefully next time we record, um, it's going to sound a whole lot better. Um, we're just learning as we go along, you know, all three of us are new to podcasting. We're trying to figure this out as we go along and, uh, and hopefully it just gets better and better as we go. Um, at least, uh, moving on how to contact us. Uh, we can be reached on social media, um, at the wheel reads on Twitter. Uh, we're also at the wheel reads on Instagram, uh, Facebook. If you just search for the wheel reads, you can find that page as well. Um, and, and like that page and then you can interact there as well. Um, our email is at the wheel or is the wheel reads at gmail.com. And, um, of course we do have the discord server too. In case you guys never used discord before, um, you can download the app uh, on your phone or use it on a computer. Um, you click on the link and get, uh, and get the invite, uh, to our server. Um, it allows you, you know, to interact with us like in a chat room setting anytime. Plus we can do, we'll, we'll be doing things within our discord server for those fans that want to uh, get extra content there. Um, in, in addition, we are, um, we have launched and are still trying to tweaking, but have launched a Patreon page. Um, and this allows people to have, uh, paid memberships, um, uh, at different tier levels. Um, and you get different things at different levels. If you feel so inclined, um, to, to, to become a part of our t- Patreon team, um, and, and make that monetary, uh, uh, gift to us, uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, a lot of that can be used for a lot of different things, uh, whether it's, uh, getting new sound equipment or uh, better recording, um, uh, whether it's equipment or software, whatever we're, we're all about, um, uh, trying to upgrade this podcast for you guys. So, you know, that money will go towards things like that. Um, um, you know, if you feel great, we're not doing this for money, but it always helps to, uh, have that backing from our, from our listeners, um, uh, really just to give you more. Plus you get some really cool stuff. Uh, at those different levels. Now maybe do an episode um, or talk about a, a different episode about um, um, uh, about those levels and kind of detail them out for you. Um, in addition, whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, uh, feel free to like us. Um, 
rate us um, uh, and give a review. That really helps out with getting us out there um, as we try to find new listeners. Um, that moves us up in the recommendations and makes it easier for people to search to us on, on those different service platforms. So that means a whole lot to us if you can do that. Um, and other than that, you know, we're just excited to keep this, uh, keep this podcast going and, and kind of move this book. I, I speak on behalf of both Chris and Ian uh, and myself, Alan, that that uh, everyone's super excited to to get into this and just uh, and and it's been a it's been a whole fun fun experience so far. So look forward to to seeing you all back next week and uh, and and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, and I look forward to any feedback I might get because um, I, I definitely want to interact more with you guys. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Real Reads Podcast. See you all next time.